We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We know how people work around deadlines, all of us. And yes, even CBA talks at the MLB level where we often see it, whether it's trade deadlines, salary arbitration, things get done at the deadline. And people who are close to these talks, Brian, believe that the telltale days are not going to be Wednesday, Thursday, but rather Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and certainly Monday. So I think as the week, as the week goes on, the, the stakes get higher and higher, and we are not yet, I believe, at a high-stakes kind of a day yet. That's John Morosi on MLB Network earlier this week. I'm Rami Makhlouf on 670 The Score on a Friday evening. Coming up on the show in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, I'll be talking some Bears with Aaron Lemming. He covers the Bears for CBS Sports uh, Bear Report, also the Windy City Gridiron. He's coming up at 8 o'clock. I I was all day reading stuff about these MLB negotiations and getting uh, depressed and uh, thinking that nothing would happen. But literally during that break, I, I came across some stuff on my Twitter timeline from people who know what they're talking about, who make it seem as though maybe more progress is being made than meets the eye. I'll I'll share that with you coming up here in just a few minutes. But earlier today, Ian Happ, who is the Cubs union representative, he joined Bernstein and Rahimi to talk about where those talks are at right now. Bring you that right here, right now on 670 The Score. Ian, how have you been? I've been great. It's good to be back. How back are you? I think that's a question that we're trying to figure out, and you would know better than anybody else. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, definitely not back. Um, you know, it was, I I end up having to um, get out of Florida last last night um, and head back to to Austin. Um, but you know, I was in the room for a few days and um, some positive discussions, some some. Good talks, I guess, but nothing um, very material to point to yet to say that we have um, something headed in the right direction. If you had to bullet point for us based on your importance, the players' importance, what you gathered from this last meeting and how far away the owners and players are, what would you tell us? I, you know, the... Core economics are obviously uh, a massive issue. Um, and I think one of the more frustrating parts is that in order to get there um, and to get us closer to a deal, you know, some of the things that we wanted to knock out yesterday, like um, the draft, uh, the draft lottery system, um, some of the competitiveness stuff uh, as it uh, comes to manipulation, some of those things that we wanted to kind of get off the table so we could really focus on the core economics weren't solved um, yesterday uh, after we made a proposal. So that, that's, I think, the, 
you know, but there's still a lot of things left to close out. Um, and if, if day by day we can't start to close out some of those things, it's going to be, we're not going to be able to finish this thing up by the weekend. So that, that's the, the frustrating part. And then, you know, you just have kind of a, a separate issue with, with core economics and where both sides are. I would like to see them stop playing dumb and stop pretending that you guys are dumb and get and let everybody actually talk because with their first CBT proposal that only marginally raised the actual level of the taxation thresholds while drastically ratcheting up how punitive it, it would be that that is a that all that does is improve the landscape for them and create more of a de facto hard cap i thought that was an insult a massive insult in, in, a, in, a, in a lot of respects, and it showed me where they actually stand. Have there been, I don't want to say off the record, but are you? have there been moments when somebody can say, hey, let's cut the crap? And Because and, so much of this so far seems to be theatrical. It seems to be mask wearing and pretense and a presumption that they're not, they're not trying to hear what you're saying about competitiveness because they don't want to. And because they impose the lockout right now, they don't feel they have to. Yeah. I think that um, that's kind of been the sentiment in the room the last um, few days is, is to try and get through some of that um, and hopefully to a place where we're, we're talking uh, more at each other instead of past each other. Um, and it has really been, uh, I don't know, unfortunate that the, you know, some of those things haven't been uh, at least, at least acknowledged that it, it, it would be crazy in an industry that is growing the way that baseball is to think that we would be in a place where um, the luxury tax would be flat for the next two years um it's it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense and and you would hope that that's something that um i think everybody would understand and we talk when you talk about a lack of acknowledgement i think that's a very good example what other ways do you feel like the proposals from the players haven't been acknowledged uh, you know, I, I think the uh, I think minimums is a good example. I think minimums. Um, you know, right now we have the lowest of the four major sports. Um, you know, and, and I think it's pretty clear that that doesn't make any sense with what league revenues are, um, and especially with how much um, gambling is going to benefit the game of baseball um, because it, it fits so well with just as much action as there can be, um, and and the other. The other one is getting younger players paid earlier. I think we've all seen over the last five years the way the teams have changed how they operate. You know, players have gone out and done the same thing year after year after year, gone and played and tried to win and and, 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 and been competing on the field. And then you have teams in front offices who have really changed the rules on us kind of mid midway through. Um, and to not acknowledge the fact that that needs to be – the game needs to – and the rules of the game need to continue to adjust um, with how teams are operating. Uh, and so those younger players need to have a bigger portion because they are putting up, there's more of them than ever. They're putting up more value than they ever have before. Uh, and we're not compensating them that way. And you have guys in the room who none of the guys are in that situation. You know, none of the guys are going to benefit from zero to three players being paid more than they ever have before. And honestly, some might be pushed out of the game because of it but they're arguing for those guys because 
that's how we know the game has to be that the game has changed, so the compensation needs to change. So we read the report that you go to Jupiter, Florida, and you talk about being in the room. What is the process that goes on? We see the reporters who see you. That part we know. What happens after that? Uh, I think it's funny what happens before that, too, is to say, hey, we're going to go down and meet in West Palm, but you panic and book a flight in a day with no return flight and head down to Florida and uh, are just there until further notice. Uh, but once you get there, you know, you go, we were in the, uh, the Cardinal facility there, basically into kind of the, there's some meeting rooms um, kind of behind the outfield wall there where their ownership and front office has, has their offices. So we were kind of in, in two different conference rooms up there. Um, and we would, you know, we would have some internal discussions um, you know, kind of get with our rider group over Zoom and then um, sit down in the room for a few hours, have discussion with with the other side, um, you know, sometimes super productive, sometimes um, not quite. And then um, there was a couple of days where we came back and just a couple um, individuals from each side would meet again and kind of discuss next steps and, um you know, it was there was good discussion back and forth for for a number of days, um, and I, I had to get out of there yesterday before the second session. But um, just kind of, I, I don't know, kind kind of uh, disappointing that there hasn't been been more progress on actually crossing things off the list. Well, it sounds like that is because the owners don't really want it, and for them to have chosen to t- take a month out of the just take a month off the calendar without any discussion whatsoever, and then these these disingenuous asks for a mediator, which are so transparent to say, well, let's bring in a mediator, and the player's response appropriately has been, no, let's just actually negotiate and talk, because you're allowed to say no to that. It looks to me like that's a, a PR stunt to allow them to say, well, they refused mediation. They don't want to play. Have you guys talked amongst yourselves that the – the owners may not want April. That it may just be easier for them to not open the doors. It may be easier for them on some of these, you know, a cold night on a Tuesday before school is out, and maybe even into May. Do you guys have an actual number of games that you think the owners would start to say, "Well, this this would be too many to miss, but this we could definitely miss number X." Uh, we don't want to speculate on that because. How unfortunate would that be if there was actually um, a group that didn't want to play 162 games this year and give that to the fans? That would be just just sad. So I, I, you know, I don't want to speculate on that. I don't. I hope that that's not the case. I think you know players are so committed to trying to get 162 games in and, and get the product back to the fans. I think players were experienced this in 2020 when we wanted so badly to be out there and providing a product. Um, when when our fans needed it the most and we couldn't. Uh, and so I, I think we're trying as hard as we can to avoid that again. Um, and that's uh, that's one of the more more frustrating parts of this is is that um, you really want a partner in this negotiation that wants to grow the game together uh, and make this thing the best it could possibly be for fans. It just doesn't feel like we have that partner right now. Well, and I think 
people are looking to you. We, we get a lot of, of course, text messages coming in, questions asked from them, listeners via Twitch too. And the overwhelming concern is that number of games. And it, when you have that deadline imposed, that's what everybody seems to want to know. So is there something that you want to tell fans about the attitude of players and what you guys are doing to make sure you do get the 162 in and what you are trying to do to make sure you do play these games? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that we're, we're there. You know, you have a group of players um, who in the middle or the end, what would hopefully be the end of their offseason when they would be traveling to uh, Arizona or Florida or, or wherever and kind of spending those last few days with their family and loved ones and friends. Um, they're jumping on a plane and, and traveling to Florida um, and in West Palm to be there in person to try to help move these things along. I think that's the players want this, um, the attentiveness from the entire group, all of the reps um, and, and, and other, you know, veteran players who are so involved in uh, what's going on, all the hours that guys have put into being on. I can't count the number of hours that I've spent on, on Zoom calls and phone calls and text chains about what's going on and trying to, you know, help push this thing in the right direction. Um, you know, the players are are so heavily committed to, to getting this back on track, um, and we hope that the fans understand what we're what we're fighting for. I know the term "bad faith" negotiation is a very specific one legally, but when I remember in March of 1995. When things actually happened, when and it was uh, then uh, federal justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor, I believe, is the Southern District mm-hmm. of, New- of New York. That was an NLRB complaint ruling. That was an unfair labor practice ruling based on a unilateral imposition of the salary cap. And I apologize if my command of some of the details is a little bit off. It's a long time ago. But if I remember correctly, it was that ruling against the owners that didn't really that didn't create a deal, but it set the tone for one. Do you think it's possible that if this continues, like, can you be keeping notes and making a case for what eventually could constitute legal bad faith negotiation on the part of your adversary? It's, uh, I think it's very difficult because it is such a narrow um, definition, and I think. The other thing that is, is tough about this situation is, is, and players have been pretty open about the fact that we want to, we want to make gains here um, in this, in this process. Um, and so it's not, you know, there's, there's been some challenging um, proposals from MLB, especially early on that were headed the complete and total wrong direction. Um, you know, but now we're, we're closer to a point where, we just want to make some small gains for players uh, and kind of balance out um, what the young guys are, are getting paid versus what their value actually is to the teams. Um, and so I, I don't know if that's something that becomes uh, a possibility down the road, but I'm, you know, I think all of us are really hoping to avoid a situation where we would even need to, to be there. What would be an indication to you, whether it's this weekend or at another point, what would be an effective olive branch that some like a, a baseball fan now who's following some of the reporting from mm-hmm. people from Jeff Passner, Eugene Freeman or whoever it might be? What would what would be real? What would be the difference between a cosmetic offer and something that would give you an indication that negotiations were 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 actually becoming substantive? 
Yeah, I think if you see any offer, uh, any move that is more than more than the the tiny tiny ones that we've seen, if there's any if there's anything that actually starts to to move and and the landslide starts to fall a little bit, I guess um, I think that's when you can expect something to be substantive. But the the you know it's just so challenging when you're making uh, such tiny incremental moves because you're just how, how do you get there, I think, is the, the really tough part. Would that be a competitive um, balance tax? Would it be on the CBT specifically that you think that once – that really that's the elephant in the room? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to be the first thing to, to move. I think there would be a lot of other dominoes to fall before that one falls. Um, but the – the um, I think just in terms of the broader discussion, you know, it, it's – if you start to see things get crossed off the list, uh, it's a positive. And then if you if you see a a bigger move than what we've seen in the past, you know, something actually of substance, um, then then we could start to head in the right direction. But unfortunately we just it, it hasn't gotten there yet. And I think I think players have players have made a number of moves over the last few weeks, um, to try to get that head in the right direction and kinda um get to a place that's more realistic and, and it just hasn't it hasn't formulated yet and once again we're left also talking about what you have to do to get yourself in game shape what other players are trying to do so what are you trying to do to just stay active knowing you have to be at the ready either to go to florida potentially or to get ready to head to spring training yeah i think you know players are, are on their same routines i think the you know the last week or two we would be already in camp and doing stuff but the um i think guys are just continuing with their off-season routines guys are starting to get together more a little bit um, whether it's groups of guys in florida or arizona taking live at bats seeing seeing um you know how close they can get to to what would be a spring training like feel i think the challenge there is that shouldn't be an excuse um, that players are staying ready to not have guys in spring training, you know, to not give, I got a, a, a direct message from a fan the other day that said that they had tickets and a flight booked to come out to Arizona. You know, what are they supposed to tell their kids? What are they supposed to do about that? And seeing stuff like that is heartbreaking. It's, it's challenging. And, and I don't, you know, uh, it, it's tough to be in that, that situation. Um, as players where you just want so badly to, to interact with the fans again and see them be outside and, and, and see the joy on their faces, and you can't do that. What did you and say? That, and I think, I, think a, I, uh, I didn't know what to say, to be honest. But I, I think that the point there is that this is a, a lockout that's imposed by MLB. We don't have to. We could continue to negotiate and play baseball, uh, and there isn't, um, you know, there isn't a need or, or uh, it's, it, it's, it's not mandatory for them to do this. There's Ian Happ earlier today with Bernstein and Rahimi. And man, I was not feeling great about things and in terms of where these negotiations were at after hearing Happ on, on with Bernstein and Rahimi. And then I was reading throughout the day things that were going on down there in the negotiations and not feeling great. But literally in the last 20 minutes or so, I was reading... Uh, some some notes from from those meetings today from from one guy specifically who who paints it a little bit a little bit differently in terms of how much progress is being made. But what we heard from Ian Happ there about the way that the owners are approaching this, no, no matter where we are and how far away we are 
from something being settled. The, the way that the owners and Rob Manfred have, have approached this is it's, it's, it's inexcusable. And I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit and really lay out the timeline of, of, of how lax the owners and Rob Manfred have been in, in actually making progress in these discussions and what it's done to me and you as a baseball fan. I want to talk about that next, right after this. Rami Makhlouf with you on The Score on a Friday night. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Cubs, you know, have talked about their opportunity of having money, you know, after sending those guys out last year. They've only picked up a couple guys. They, they still got a lot of work to do. You know, in free agency. So, I mean, you're you're looking right here in town with a team that's going to be going at it hard in a five day period, six yeah. days, <laughs> trying to fill out a roster and getting a roster. But let's say this: if you don't think agents are talking to teams right now, <laughs> maybe through a third party, you're yeah. crazy. That was Ron Coomer with Molly and Haw this morning, right here. On 670 The Score, Robbie Makloff with you on The Score here on a Friday night. I'm going to talk some Bears a little later in the show with Aaron Lemming at the top of the 8 o'clock hour and with you after that. But do you find it hard to even think about baseball stuff, like actual baseball stuff right now with all this nonsense going on? 312-644-6767. And we just played for you Ian Happ, the Cubs player union rep who's who's down there at those negotiations today and he didn't paint the brightest picture in terms of how those talks are going and and how quickly they're they're moving along and and really I mean I'm on the players side in this thing but but both sides are 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 getting on my nerves to be quite frank in terms of the the urgency that that was shown in in getting this thing done and as you heard Ian Happ say 
they didn't even have to lock the players out. They, 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 could, they could be in spring training right now with a temporary agreement in place while they hammer out the, de- the, the details of, of a long-term uh, collective bargaining agreement. But the owners decided, and, and the owners are, in my opinion, more at fault for, for the pace and the urgency at which these things have gone. But both sides deserve some of the, play, some of the blame. They, they instilled this lockout on December 1st. And, and we were told at the time that it was to spur negotiations, that it was to spur action in the negotiations. And after that, not one offer came for six weeks. For six weeks, from December 1st to mid-January, they went without one offer being put on the table by the owners or the players. But it was really on the owners once they instilled the lockout to, to get the ball rolling with their first initial offer. And they didn't do that for six weeks. And since then, the two sides just played footsie for, for a few weeks there, including meetings that took that literally lasted 15 minutes. Meetings that lasted 15 minutes between the players and the owners o- over the last couple of weeks. And now finally, finally, on Monday, the two sides started meeting and seemingly seriously daily for the first time with, with this coming Monday being the deadline that's been put in place by the owners for them to have an agreement before we lose regular season baseball games. And even that, even even that right there of, of, of Monday being the deadline for them having to have an agreement is something that the two sides can't agree on and now is a sticking point because the players are saying, well, I mean, we don't need that much spring training and we could just play a few double headers and still play 162 games if, if, if we don't have an agreement by Monday and the owners are going, no, no, we're not going to do that. We need a full spring training and we don't want to have scheduled double headers. So it's Monday or you guys are going to lose money because we're not paying you for 162 game season if it's not 162 game season. So now they're even using that as a bargaining chip or, or something to, to light a fire under the players to come closer to their side of the table and these offers that, that have been going back and forth. And it's, 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 it's just, I mean, that right there, if, if nothing else tells you that the owners, at the, at, at the very least, don't care about the fans, that they're willing to not give you a 162-game season when they very well could just to stick it to the players and, tr- and try and, and motivate them or, or prod them to take a lesser deal so that they don't lose paychecks over the course of the season, if nothing else tells you that the owners don't care about the fans in this whole thing, then that, that's, that's a dead giveaway right there. It, and, and honestly, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run some rumors by you that, that are, that are that, and you heard Ron Coomer saying there that agents are, are probably talking to two teams right now for Mullion Hall this morning, even though they're really not supposed to be. And I wouldn't doubt if that's the case, but I can't even bring myself to really get excited about or, or, or think that much about actual baseball stuff until I see reason to believe that we're going to have actual baseball when, when we usually are used to getting it. Are you having, are, can you even think about baseball right now? 312-644-6767. Now I will bring you this. This, this was the little, the little bit of optimism that got peppered into my day as far as these labor negotiations go. And it's from Evan Drellich from The Athletic. 
who pointed out that Rob Manfred was at at the negotiations today. I I blew Adam's mind, my producer, this evening, Adam Studzinski, with something that I told him off the air, which is that uh, he Adam Adam, what, what did you say about about Rob Manfred and this being the first time since when that he had talked to the players, and then I told you what how long it had really been. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So Go ahead. I, I was <laughs> I was talking with a buddy about this. Yeah. And he goes, I he he's and he throws back to me, he's like, You, as in me, and my our other friend are more involved in running our fantasy football league than Rob Manfred is in running <laughs> baseball. And it's true. <laughs> yeah. Like when there's a problem in our in our in our one specific league, me and my buddy that co-manage the league immediately get like start texting, like okay, like well, how do we fix this? What's the you know blah blah blah? Like we and we get it done. Like and we usually don't stop texting each other until we have a solution. And it's the complete opposite of what Rob Manfred is doing. Dude, Jeff Passan said on on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. I was watching and I heard I heard this and I was like, I didn't hear that right. I got to rewind and and uh, and see what he really said. He hasn't been personally, in person, in attendance for negotiations, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, since April. Since April of 2021. It is February 2022. How is the commissioner not in the negotiations since April? It doesn't make any sense. Like It doesn't make any sense at all. I, I I don't understand that. So that's why it's news today that on day five of these finally daily serious talks between Major League Baseball and the players that Rob Manfred was indeed in attendance. And this is what Evan Strelich wrote on his Twitter account. It says, a little progress, exclamation point. MLB players made gains today in one area, amateur draft order slash lottery. MLB made a counterproposal on it. Players countered in the same day. Not done yet, but there is optimism. Manfred met with Tony Clark one-on-one. That was the first time Manfred and Tony Clark, the players' uh, union president, have met since 2020. Just let Jesus that sit God. with you for a second. Manfred How? did not meet with players. <laughs> They'll meet tomorrow. The big money issues are still out there. The CBT, minimum salary, pre-arbitration bonus poll. But it is said you have to start somewhere. All the issues have been discussed this week. Even the competitive balance tax, just because there hasn't been a new competitive balance tax proposal doesn't mean it's not discussed. And Jason Stark took that one step further, said deals often get made without a specific proposal. A back and forth about concepts is actually a more productive way to find middle ground. In fact, what baseball people have been waiting for to see is fewer proposals and more negotiating. So, to have, to, if you believe what Evan Drellich and Jason Stark are reporting, and I have no reason not to, both very good and reputable MLB reporters, it sounds like there's more progress being made than, than, than maybe meets the eye right now going on between these two sides. But I just don't, I don't know about you, Adam, I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to get done by Monday, and the owners seem to be sticking to their guns that, that, that Monday is the day that, that, that they better have something figured out. And I don't think, I don't think Monday is... I don't think Monday is enough time, even if they are moving slowly to the middle here. No, I'd be, I would be shocked if on Monday they come out and say, "Oh, we got a deal." Everyone report to camp. No, there's no way. That's from. It looks like they are making progress. I'm sure they are. If you're meeting every day, 
you would you're going to be making progress just because you're meeting every day. Hey, maybe you should have started this in December. But anyway, they, there's no way in the next two days they're gonna make so much progress that they that they reach an agreement. Like there's just no way. I am I at this point have accepted that we're gonna lose games. And I'm also in in the camp of well the season's way too damn long anyway whatever we're still gonna get like 145 games it's not the end of the world it's just to me frustrating that this could be avoided this didn't need to get up until the the last second that we're trying to do this like you said just a few minutes ago they took six weeks off yeah six whole week they could have gotten this done in that time like there's no six weeks they they absolutely could have we've seen a work stoppage coming for two years see that's the other thing We've seen a work stoppage coming for two years, and these and these two sides, both sides. And I, now, when it comes to this, I'm I'm blaming both sides. Have have sat there and 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 done and done nothing to 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 move this thing along. To say, hey, let's not let it get. You know what I realized is that I don't know what kind of student you were, Adam, but I know throughout throughout my my school career, um, which oh God, am I glad that that's over. I would, I would always, I was a procrastinator and teachers, professors, my parents, friends who were good students. They're always like, dude, don't leave things to the last minute. Why do you got to leave things to the last minute? You're going to stress yourself out. You're not going to do as good a job as you probably could. If you, if you put more time into it, blah, blah, blah. And, and I never listened to them, but I, I thought that was because I was a bad student and, and, you know, and, and smarter people and more successful people than I didn't do that. Turns out they do. Turns out the highest level businessmen and negotiators and titans of industry, like those that are trying to hammer out a deal between Major League Baseball and the Players Association right now, also love just leaving crap till the last minute, I just is, did, is what I've learned here. I did my best work with my back against the wall. That's how I thought about it. <laughs> no, I wasn't, that- I wasn't a terrible procrastinator. <laughs> I, I, I would always... I don't, I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily put things off to the last minute, but I wouldn't do things so far out ahead when I knew I still had plenty of time to do it. Like I would, right. I would always leave myself plenty of time. I still, to this day, use that, use that rationale to make myself feel better. Like I'll have, I'll have a big comedy show coming up, and i got to put 20 minutes together, and it's like an hour before the show, and I'm like, I'll, I'll figure it out when I get up there. I'm best when my back is up against the wall. <laughs> the words will find me. <laughs> Exactly. But it, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it makes it hard. It makes it I, I can't even think about I want to be excited about baseball things right now. They're floating out there. They're floating out there. I got a few things that are floating out there for Cubs and Sox fans right after right after a short break. But I don't know. If, I don't know if it even does anything for you. It doesn't do a lot for me. Are you even thinking about actual baseball things right now? 312 Six seven is how you can get in touch with me, Rami Makloff, with you on the score on Friday night.
Robbie Makloff with you on 670 The Score here on a Friday night. Adam Studzinski, other side of the glass. Going to talk some Bears at the top of the 8 o'clock hour with Aaron Lemming of CBS Sports Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. And talk some Bears with you later in that 8 o'clock hour. Right now, talking about these labor negotiations in Major League Baseball, which may be making progress, maybe not be making progress, with Monday being the deadline before we lose some games. They canceled more spring training games today as the uh, contract negotiations carry on. We now won't get spring training till at least March 8th and uh, probably later than that if we're being real about these things. But are, are you even thinking about actual baseball things right now or is, or is all this just too too depressing and, and too, too real world for you to think about the, the baseball of all of it right now. Let's go out to the phones at 312-644-6767. Dan in New Lenox, you're on the score. What's up, Dan? Well, I've been listening to all of this, and to me it's just like how much do the baseball players want to make? The private industry, and, yeah, the players are making more money, or the owners are making more money now to players that think they deserve it. Well, let's look at other private industries. Yeah. I'll bet you if baseball teams were public-traded stocks, you wouldn't have that issue because they'd want to put the profits out to the people that buy it. No one's complaining about Amazon raised their rates and everybody's paying it. But are the employees going to get get a piece of that? You see them walking out complaining. No, you know, the baseball players, they make enough just because the owners are making more. Doesn't mean that they deserve to make more. That's exactly what it means. That's exactly what, what it means. That, that's that's why there is a collective bargaining agreement. and that, that's, They make that's, enough as it is, though. Says compared who? to what the average person makes in this world, compared to baseball players today to the ones that were playing at 60 to 70 when I was growing up. Why are we those guys did not make Those guys did not make that much money over what the average people made. These baseball players are making millions, well, and the average worker is making sport, 40, The sport grand. wasn't as profitable then as it is now. And why, and, and why just because they, they were getting screwed back then, should guys be okay with getting screwed today? And they're clearly getting screwed. And they're not just getting screwed. The, this, the whole, the whole uh, service time fiasco is a perfect example of how Major League Baseball shoots itself in the foot, cuts off its nose, Despite its face, do you realize that the, the the service time rules, as as they stand right now, actually rewards teams like the Cubs did with Chris Bryant for keeping their best players out of the public spotlight and out of the major leagues for as long as possible. How how counterproductive is that to a sport that to save a few bucks, what could be the best and brightest young faces of your sport? You're actually rewarding teams financially for keeping them in the minor leagues. It's not it's not doing you any favors as a fan the way that these owners want to hang on to every penny. It does you no favors. I don't know why you want to shill for billionaires. I don't know why you have your cape on for the Ricketts and the Reinsdorfs. It doesn't it doesn't serve you as a fan to give you the best product that you could possibly have. And that's what this is all about. The owners want to spend as little as possible to keep you happy and satisfied and, and, and putting your butt in the seats or having your eyes on a TV or your ears on a radio somewhere. That's why they want to expand the playoffs 
to lower the bar of what it means to be competitive. That's why they want the the collective the 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 tax, the luxury tax, and they want that to be hard and they want it to be as low as it can possibly be. All of this is so that they can do as little as possible and still convince you that they're trying to be competitive. Here's the other thing, and Dan mentioned that, oh, you know, compared to the average person, these guys make a ton of money, which is true. However, the, the, the thing that I feel like some of the people that have the opinion that Dan does seem to neglect is that these people have a skill which most people do not have. Right, exactly. And they are, and they're, and that's why they're being compensate, compensated accordingly because they can do things that most people on the planet can't do, which is hit a baseball that's going 98 miles per hour, right? Yeah. And they can do it well, not just make contact. They can put the thing over the wall 500 feet away. That's a, that is a skill that most people don't have, and that's why they're compensated highly for it. Right. And when you look at comparatively what they're making compared to what the owners are making, it's not even close. And all, their, all what they are doing is trying to get – because they are the ones creating the product, right? They're the number one piece of this whole thing. Without them, without the players, there is no Major League Baseball. I and, saw somebody. I saw somebody tweet today, and I couldn't. I couldn't do anything but laugh. That if if the players went away today, and you started from scratch with other players, yeah, the sport would take a step back for a year or two. But people would keep watching, and it'd be it'd get back up to the level that it is with within within a few years. And no, man, no, that is absolutely not the case. It would be a garbage product without these players. And I, Adam is right. Their their aptitude for for the skill that they have is just that much more rare than mine or yours or anybody else. So you can't compare it necessarily to that. And I don't know why people love to cap how much how much a worker can make, but have no prop, but don't want to cap at all what what an owner can make and and how big a slice of the pie that they get. I don't know how they pull this Jedi mind trick on some of y'all. I got a tweet or a text here from the 815 to the Rosen Hyundai text line, 312-644-6767. says, when you say you blame slash are annoyed with both sides, what would you have done differently from the player's side? I don't understand how you can say the owners are 100% to blame when they are the ones imposing a non-mandatory lockout. Because even pre-lockout, my only, my, my, I can't say my only issue, my main issue with the player's side of this thing is that they also showed no urgency. When we all saw a work stoppage come in for two years, neither side decided to step up and be the adult and say, hey, let's let's talk and let's figure this thing out. Enough, enough of this posturing, enough of me waiting for you to come to the table and you for me to come to the table. Let's 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 be adults about this. Let's let's figure something out. And let's not lose any baseball over it. Instead, here we are with three days now until we're going to lose baseball over it. Every, every every single one of us saw this coming. Every single one of us saw this coming. There were a couple of well, one rumor. See, I would I would love to be before the lockout when things got hot and heavy there for a minute in the free agent market. There was news, there was there was reports that the Cubs were one of the teams in on Carlos Correa. I'd love to be excited about that. I would love to be excited about that. And today I saw this, and man, White Sox fans, I 
I feel for you. I, I'm 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 a Cubs. Adam, where do you stand? Cubs, Sox. White Otherwise, Sox. Sox, yeah. you're a Sox, Sox fan. Yeah. Man, this should be. I know how I know lad the way last year ended was painful, but th- this should be the year where you you guys are are amped up and excited that the pitchers and catchers reporting for what could be a championship season and what are you adding to it? And I I really feel for you because the Cubs are kind of taking a step back right now even even if they they are in on Carlos Correa, which I'm not necessarily convinced that they are. Sox fans, you're you're just you're just getting into this competitive window, and you got to sit here and deal with this BS. Did it do anything for you today, Adam? When when you saw the tweet from uh, Jim Bowden from the Athletic that said, "When the lockout finally ends, watch for the Rockies, Mariners, and White Sox to be heavily involved in the free agent outfield market for Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, Michael Conforto, and Seiya Suzuki." It was nice to see, I guess, but it would mean a whole lot more if you know they were actually allowed to make deals right now. Cause yeah, right. right now it's like, Oh, cool. But, uh, uh, well, like there's nothing that can be done about it right now. So, uh, I do love the idea of Chris Bryant coming to the white Sox. man. That would, that would hurt. That would hurt. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't hate the white Sox. I'm not one of those Cubs fans, but, and I, I even will root for Chris Bryant wherever he goes. But wherever he wins, it's going to be kind of a dagger in my heart if he wins another World Series and, and puts up another MVP type of season. And if he's doing it right right there and I have a front row seat for it on the south side, that's just that, that, that twists a dagger in my heart watching that dude go and, 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 and do it for the White Sox. Not that I hate the White Sox, it's just that it's going to be so close and I'm going to, have, I'm going to hear so much about it. It's like that ex who like works in the office or you go to the, you're in the same class as them. You know what I mean? Like you're constantly there around him and it just hurts that much more. But I, I guess more Chris Bryant around the city of Chicago also. Maybe not the worst thing in the world. Right after this, let's get into some Bears talk with Aaron Lemming. He covers the Bears for CBS Sports Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. And he joins me, Rami Makhlouf, right after this on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 